Well, good morning, First Baptist, Goodlitzville. Uh, we are. We just feel like you guys are family. I know a lot of times when we go places and we speak and and preach, and um, a lot of times we look out over the crowd and we don't really see a lot of familiar faces. But every time we come here, it's like well, we're walking into family here. So we are so glad to be with you this morning, and thank you for having us. Um. I promise you, now this service, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, this service we may go over a little bit because the next service, because I know there's something orange and white going on, it's going to be really short. But I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So we're going to go over both services. Why are y'all laughing? Um, so... This morning, and as I've been preparing to come and speak to you uh, about uh, Club 180 ministry and uh, who we are and where we're at, what we do, um, and preparing a message for you uh, for the most part this morning, um, God has been leading me to speak to you about worship. Now, you know, I think every pastor or preacher out there has one thing that they really don't like to talk about all that much. I mean, as far as a message goes, usually it's the money message, right? But for me, it's really this message. I struggle with this. Um, And I was telling Pastor Lyle this morning, I said, my wife should be the one that's up here preaching because she don't struggle at all with worship. I mean, her, her life emanates worship. And I think my ability to even know what true worship really is, is it comes from me watching her live her life out on a daily basis. And uh, it's just, she amazes me in that way. And it's taught me so much. And kind of, uh, it was that Pastor Jeff that was up here saying, Pastor Jeff, um, tag kind of taglining with him about what he was sharing from the word Earlier, while we were having worship, um, I want you to go in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. And we'll be, we'll be in several places this morning uh, with the focus going back to that famous verse about worship in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. But look over with me in Hebrews chapter 13, and I want to share with you verses 15 and 16. And it says this, Through him... Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Continually. Not sometimes, not every now and then, but continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Okay, so we're offering up a continual uh, praise to our God. But then it also says this. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So how many of you have thought about your worship as something where you're actually doing good? And you're sharing. And you're continually out there. It's not always, and it is always, you know, the fruit of our lips that 
give praise to God. But that's something that comes from the heart. But it's that not neglecting everything else as well. So, and uh, as Pastor Jeff was sharing earlier, talking about worship, you know, I'm reminded of a story where Jesus was at the well. And a Sumerian woman comes up. And he asked her for water. And they, they, they begin this conversation wherein, the, wherein she talks and she begins to talk about religion. And why would, a, why would a Jew ask me for water? And he talks about, well, if you knew who you were talking to, I'm, you're, you know, whoever drinks water from me will thirst no more, right? Whoever drinks water from this well will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks water from me will thirst no more. But then the, the, the conversation changes a little bit, and he kind of points to, a, to her and her life in which she then redirects, try to, tries to redirect the conversation. And she says, and he says to her, so go and get your husband and come back. And she says, well, I'm not married. I don't have a husband. And he says, well, you said this correctly. You have five husbands. And so she gets a little... Uh, overcome by that, maybe she gets a, she she feels a little bit pinned down by that, maybe, and then she says, "Well, what about the religion? You know, why are you why are Jews here uh, trying to teach us about this?" And he tells her that true worshipers, true worshipers, worship in spirit and truth. Right? So let's think about that for just a minute. True worshipers worship in spirit and truth. Now we, we get the, the spirit part. That's that emotional part that comes from the heart when we're all together and we're here. And even the truth part where we're receiving the message of God, we're receiving the word of God and being taught the word of God. But do you really couple that together? Do we, as, as worshipers, as true worshipers... Do we really couple that together? I want to share with you um, a few stories from recent uh, here with Club 180 that, that will hopefully help you to understand. You know, whereas when I watch Angie and her worship, and she's just, you know her, she, her favorite word is joy. Right, And she's been living out that word joy for years now. And when I watch her life, I see that come out of her. And I know that in the midst of all of that, there's a true worshiper there. You just see it in her life every day. I want to show you a, a, a picture and, and, and to, to kind of correlate my life a little bit on how I worship. I'm not, I'm not Angie. I mean, her personality is boisterous and out there, and my personality is kind of like, you know what, I'm going to go get in the lake by myself and do a little fishing, just kind of be alone. That's just me. That's, that's my personality. So people look at me, and they don't look at me and say, whoo, he can worship. You know, that's not what they say about me. But I don't, can you pull up that first picture for me? Yeah, right there. I want you all to meet somebody. This young lady right here. Her name is Keely. And uh, Angie and I have watched this young lady grow up 
her entire life. Matter of fact, were you at the hospital when she was born? So Angie was at the hospital when, when she was born. And I can remember when her mom brought her home, Angie and I went over uh, to minister to them, and we both got to hold that baby in our arms, that little girl right there. So she was just a, a tiny little baby, and we were holding her in our arms. And then she began to grow up, you know, like all of our kids do. And she grew up through Club 180. And I would, I would say probably, and, and we don't know all the details behind the scenes where she lives. Uh, we know the outcome. Uh, but, you know, the first four or five years of her life, I mean, she, had just, she just had this just bubbly personality, almost like Angie. You know, it's always, always joyful a very spirited young lady. And then we began to see a change. And things uh, began, we, and as we began to see the change, we began to investigate a little bit and find out what's going on. Then we found out, okay, mom is moving a lot. They're not in the same location. They're, you know, so they move into a place and then they can't pay for it, so they get evicted and they move to somewhere else and they can't pay for it and they get evicted. And then, you know, the the drugs and things that are going on uh, in the life of, of mom, and then and then daughter gets pulled away from mom. I mean, not just her, but her sisters too. And so the family's being broken up. And as far as we know, there's never, never been a father in her life ever from day one. Uh, so her life just began to kind of take a, a kind of a downward turn and uh, so, you know, we, we do what we can, and we, we put ourselves in the middle of their lives as much as we can. Um, but two years ago, at summer camp, she came, and I remember I just, I, I wanted to, you know, I, I like, to, like to get a hug from all the kids early in the morning. Just tell them we love them and, and we hope their day is great. And I went to give Keely a hug. And, and so I began to, I, actually I felt kind of bad because I really wanted a hug, you know. I wanted to give her that, that uh, fatherly love that she's never had in her lifetime and, and for her to kind of, mm-mm. it bothered me. So... That whole summer, my, my, everything that I did was all about, I just wanted to get a high five. So I'd stick my hand up there and say, high five me then. I can't get a hug from you. Let's do a high five. No. No high fives. And it really hurt. It hurt me to the point that I really began to pray specifically for her. Okay? So... Correlating this with worship, that's, that's the meat of me right there. So whereas a lot of times like in, in, in when we're in corporate worship here and we're standing up and we're singing, you know, I, I don't get the, you know, the hands up and the, you know, the, the, the vibrant, boisterous worship, but I am worshiping. And my worship comes from... Really knowing these kids and their lives. And my heart 
breaking for her, and it began to drive me to daily pray for her. And this year, so we went on, the summer day camp ended, and they went back to school. And then when we started some uh, after-school program this year, Excel 180, she came. And I think she missed a couple of years, didn't she? She missed a couple of years of after-school with us. But this year she came. And so I'm like, oh, okay, great. All right, so here's my, here's my chance. So I, I go up to her and I try and get the high five. Nope, no high five. And so I just began to just really encourage her every single day. Just, just go straight to her when she would get there and just tell her, Kaylee, or Keely, you look beautiful today. Or some type of encouragement for her. And then I also, every single day that we have after school, I also have devotion time with them. So they come and they play games and then they do like we do. They're doing writing right now and they're doing, they've done some kitchen stuff where Angie's teaching them to cook. And then we do come in and we eat together and then I do a devotion time. Or actually I do a devotion time and then we eat. So I do that every day. And I started noticing that um, as I was doing devotion, you know, the first couple of weeks, Keely was just like, eh, not there, not there. She was looking around, talking with her friends while the devotion's going on. And so I just kept my eye on her. And then after a few weeks, I noticed her beginning to pay attention. Like, okay, so now she's focused when I'm speaking to them and she's paying attention. Hmm, maybe here's my chance. Keely, give me a high five. Nope, nope, not going to do it. Well, I want to shorten this story up for you a little bit. Look at the, Just take a look at this picture right here. Now, I'm telling you, at the beginning of our after-school year, if, you, if, I, if I had a picture of her, and I'm sure we probably got one somewhere, you, you see in her face there's a glimmer of joy there, right? Just a glimmer of joy. And I'm getting my hug, right? So I'm getting my hug. Now, I'm hugging her. She's not really got the full embrace hug back on me yet, but it, I'm going to get there. Before the end of this year, I'm going to get there. And I don't know what's going on yet. We have some talks, like Angie will pull her aside and have some conversation with her. I'll get her aside and have some conversation with her. But that it seems like God is really beginning to instill some hope into this young lady's life. And when I see that, I worship. I worship. Let's bring up the next picture. Oh, y'all know these people, right? Now, if if Chris saw me showing this picture to you guys, he'd be mad because he's a short guy. And he's barely taller than Papa. And uh, Chris, this is Chris Johnson. He has been with Club 180 Ministry since 15. He is 15 years old. He's 28 years old now. 
And so he is with us full time. He's a, he's a full time staff member with us. And um, I have been discipling him since he was 15 years old. And just to kind of give you an idea of, of what, you know, when I get into discipleship, I can talk about that all day long. That's my realm. That's where I love to be. And so in discipleship, I have been going at this with him for over 10 years now. So he is, I have walked with him. He has walked with me. We've been on this journey together for over 10 years. And this is the culture in that area, just giving you an idea. Just this past two months, Chris, Chris has started walking with guys of his own. So our, our, our ministry together, my discipleship time with him, over ten years, but just in the last two months, Chris has said, you know what? What Terry's been doing with me, I need to be doing with other men. And so he has made that commitment. And, and here's the really cool part of it. Chris, he runs our rec, kind of, he's the kind of a recreational director for Club 180 Ministry. And he has a basketball program. He has a basketball program. It's like uh, upwards, but we call it Game Day 180. So uh, he is over that. And we just finished up the season. And then he also has high school and college age guys. There's about 30 of them now. Uh, but 15 to 30 meet every week. Two nights a week they play basketball in our gym there at Club 180. And uh, he's been doing that for two years now. So since we opened, since we moved over into that location and opened that gym up, he has been playing basketball with those guys. And he's built that relationship with them. And just over the last couple of months, he's like, I, I need to go further with this. I need to really get more involved from a biblical standpoint with these guys. So when I see that happening, I worship. I worship. Let's bring up that last picture. These are some of our after-school kids. This is uh, up here on the top left. This is Zoe. And then right here, and I'm, this, this is our little doll baby right here. <laughs> this Zoe. She, that smile will melt your heart in a split second. And this is Amir right here. And he is, uh, he's the little brother of one of our longtime Club 180 kids who now uh, comes and helps us with our after-school pro- program. Honesty Thomas is his sister. And then down here, this is Lee, right? Peyton. This is Peyton. Peyton and Lee are brothers. We, I get their names mixed up all the time. But this is Peyton. And uh, Peyton's been with, This is his second year with us in after school. Uh, but he was part of our basketball program. And Peyton is um, one of the kids that I was talking with Louie last night and sharing about the homelessness of some of our teenagers uh, in in Harlan County, where uh, we we have found out that with our local high school, there's we have a consolidated high school, um, and just in the high school, there's 1,151 students, and out of 1,151 students, 
407 of those students are classified as homeless. So, Peyton's not in high school, but he fits that category because what that category says is there are actually students that when they, you know, when, when high school lets out at the end of the day, they simply walk or have the bus drop them off in the middle of downtown Harlan. And there's a place there, there called Christ's Hands. And they, they feed a meal every evening. And they have a place to lay their heads down at night. And then when they get up in the morning, they put their clothes on. And the bus picks them up and brings them to school. So we have that kind of homelessness. But then we have what's called couch surfers. So these are those kids that they're staying with a friend. They don't have a home to go to, but they're staying with a friend or they're staying with an aunt. So they're jumping around from place to place. And then Peyton fits into the category of there are, in his family right now, there are 15 people living in a single wide trailer. And it is overrun. And, and most of those are kids from toddler all the way up to high school age kids. And they're all living together in one trailer. And it's, he's got a cousin that's living there with him. His name is Parker. And I'm, I'm just going to ask you guys to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray for all our kids. Pray for Keely. Pray for Chris. Chris needs it. Pray for these kids too. Um. Because the situations that they live in, is, it's just not good, you know. Um, they make do, but Parker, the young man that uh, lives in Peyton's house, I mean, I've never, I've never seen this kid as angry as he is right now. And it's simply because they're having to bounce from place to place to place. They don't have any stability within the home. And... It's just made him angry. It just lashes out at everybody. And we're really concerned because we don't want that to get worse. We want through the prayers and petitions of God's people and as we pray for them to figure out the solutions, that God will help us to figure out the solutions to help their lives be great in the midst of God's grace. And kind of a similar situation with this young man right here. This is Jaden. And Jaden, uh, for years, he and his sister Olivia, they actually, their home is in Maryland. Their mom lives in Maryland. And it's kind of a situation where she goes from boyfriend to boyfriend. So, you know, their lives are, there's no stability in their lives as well. But they have a grandmother that lives where we live. So she lives in Lynch. And every summer, for the last four or five summers, they have come and stayed with their grandmother all summer. So they came one summer, and that was the first year that they got to come to summer day camp. And since that time, they said, we want to go back. Is that that summer day camp? We want to be at that place. So they would come back year after year after year and just participate all summer long with us in summer day camp. And then they would go home to Maryland. Well, this year, they came to summer day camp. And we found out that we asked them, okay, when are y'all going back home? They said, we're not. Okay, why? Well, mom doesn't want us there anymore. 
So, he and his sister are extremely angry right now. And Club 180 is the only lifeline that they have. Is that, I mean, their grandmother is not very suited for taking care of them. It's a, it's a roof over their head. But there's no stability there. And this young man causes me to worship. Because God speaks to me about him. And he says to me, he doesn't have a father. Keely doesn't have a father. You be their father. And when, I, when my father, my heavenly father, speaks to me in that way, I worship. So what I'm saying to you this morning is worship is not about getting up on Sunday morning and coming down here to church coming into this room and standing up when, when Jeff and them are singing hymns and songs and, and praying here while you're here and then listening to Pastor Lyle deliver an awesome message, which I know he does every Sunday. That is worship. But that's not all worship is. Worship is continual. It's daily. It's every day of your life. And it never stops. Because that's what our God requires of us. And it's not so... We, we, he deserves the glory and the honor and the praise. He deserves it. And He's worthy of it. But even more than that... He simply wants that worship from us so that He is in constant communion and fellowship with us so that when we have situations that we come up on daily, and we all do, every one of you in this room knows someone that maybe fits this category. Or you have a friend that's in trouble. God wants our worship so that we have that daily, constant communion and fellowship with Him so that He lives His life in and through us. And then our lives begin to reflect who He is. And the world sees that and they want it. That's worship. Look over at Romans chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2. You know, the greatest thing that... I heard a pastor say this one time. The greatest thing that you can do for your church... I mean, if you're just going to do something for your church, the greatest thing that you can do for your church is to show up during your corporate worship times, during the Sunday and Sunday and Wednesday and Wednesday, show up during those times so full of Jesus... That you can't help but worship. True worship. So you're not coming here necessarily to get filled. You're coming here to give. To give back. That's what your church needs. 
Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. He's urging them. He's, it's, 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 he wants them to get it. Don't miss this. By the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And I love this part here. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's this word right here. That's worshiping in spirit and truth. That renewing of your mind, it only happens through this right here. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So when I speak about worship, for me, worship is continual. It never ceases. It never stops. It's always seeing needs, meeting needs, praying through situations, having that constant fellowship and communion with our Heavenly Father so that what's on His heart is on my heart. Everybody hear that? Amen. I have one more thing that I want to do for you this morning. And that is, um, I want to say thank you. Uh, Pastor Lyle alluded to this, that you guys have you guys have been part of our ministry for years now. I mean, really since the very beginning. And all the stories that you guys tell, there there is a story in the book of Joshua that talks about this. And the stories that you tell from when you come and serve with us, when you when you give to what we do in Lynch, Kentucky, all of that creates a place where we need to say thank you. And we want to remember you. In Joshua, the Lord said to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. And now it's time for you to take my people and cross over this Jordan into the land that I promised them. And so they begin that journey. And in the midst of that journey, as they're crossing the Jordan River, all the nation crosses over. So the, the Ark of the Covenant goes into the water before them, right? And so when they get when their toes touch the touch the water, then the waters are heaped back, just like the Exodus, the crossing at the Red Sea. Alright, so there this is a whole new generation of, of, of a whole new nation. None of that old guard is there anymore. This is all new generation of Israelites crossing over into the land God promised them. So the Ark of the Covenant and those priests, their feet touch the water, and the waters pull back into a heap, and they walk out into the middle of it and stand there. And they stand there while the entire nation of Israel crosses over the Jordan into the land which God had promised them. And as they do that, once everybody is across, 
God then says to Joshua. So he doesn't tell him beforehand. And he doesn't tell him. He tells him right on time. He says to Joshua. And when the whole nation is across, he says, Now take one man from each of the twelve tribes of Israel and have them go back in to where the priests are and have them pick up a stone, an uncut stone. No man is going to do anything to this stone. You're not going to carve on it. You're not going to. You're not going to write your names on it. You're going to get that stone from the middle of the Jordan, and you're going to put it on your shoulder and bring it back over, and we're going to set up an altar. And actually, he sets the altar up in Gilgal. But then Joshua, after that, after the men come get the stones and they put them in the place of lodging, then Joshua comes back in, and he sets up an altar in the Jordan where the priests are with 12 stones. So... It's a way of remembering. In other words, and God said this. He said, you're going to tell when your children and your children's children and generations to come ask you about what these stones are for, then you're going to tell them this is where we crossed over into the land that God promised us. And you're going to tell that story from generation to generation to generation. What I want to do this morning, and I, I did this this week in thinking about you guys and how y'all have ministered to us over the years and how you have loved on us as a family over the years. And I'm, I'm going to do this right here, Pastor Lyle, but I, I, got, I got stuff I'm going to put down so it won't hurt nothing. We want to say thank you to you guys. So I went out this week. And I pulled 12 stones from our river in Cumberland. And uh, these are for you guys. So I know that this church loves us. We know that. I'm going to try and do this. But if something happens, don't laugh at me. (laughs) You can laugh. It's okay. I'm used to it. Right, honey? This makes me think of you guys, and we're going to do this where we are too. And I'm saying that because I know that God is about to perform a huge miracle for us, and he already has in the form of you know, our basketball court. The roof blew off of it a couple of, about a month ago, a little over a month ago. And so we've been dealing with that. We've been fighting that battle on a daily basis just trying to keep water out um, of our of our space, and so God has already raised the money in just a few weeks' time for us to put a brand new roof on that entire building. Now, I'm not talking about like a, a small house roof. I'm talking about a big commercial gymnasium. Now, I used to be in the roofing business. And I know what I would charge to do a job like this. You know, sixty or $70,000 wouldn't even touch it with our company. But there's a, a roofer out of Georgia that has been doing ministry with us for years. And he says, I want to come do this for you guys. 
And so he's charged us. He told me on the front end, he said, the bare minimum, this is what I, I can get away with, is $18,000. Okay, that's great. I think that's a great price. And so we started just talking about it, and we didn't have much success just talking about it. Um, but then this little girl from our after-school program, oh, I brought her picture. Her name is Brooklyn. We were sharing with our after-school kids that we had to put a new roof on the building, and you know we were praying over that. We wanted them to pray with us. And so Brooklyn comes in. She, we tell them that one day, and then the very next day she comes in. And I'm in my office. She goes immediately to Angie. Where's Mr. Terry? Where's Mr. Terry? And so she comes and gets me. I come down, and she comes up to me, and she hands me a dollar. I said, what's this for? She says, I went home and did chores last night, and that's the money Mommy gave me, and I want to give it to put the roof on the building. Well, we're just boohooing, you know. She gave everything. Not only did she give everything, but she went and earned that everything. Well, we shared that story. And within three days, we had the $18,000 that we needed. And it was amazing to watch that happen. Um, we had one church give 10000 And then we had individuals give 2000 And it got up to where it was $15,000. And there's a lady from this church, right? Huh? Called at Angie and said, you know, we're at $15,000. We need $3,000 to finish it off. And she told us, she said... This is what my husband and I can give. And she said, we have $3,000. So, bang, God put it all in place. Not this week, but next week, that roofer from Georgia is coming up to put us a brand new roof on our building. And that's going to happen. Now, I'm setting this up here. I want this to be right there. Nobody breathe. We're good. This is... Uh, our way, this is not much, but it's 12 stones from our place. And it's for us giving this to you, saying, when you see this, remember us. When you see this, think of those stories that you have participated in together as a church, ministering to us, ministering to our people Worshiping God. And that's really what these 12 stones are about for us. And it's what they were about for Joshua. It was a way for them to remember all that God had done for them. Thank you guys in Jesus' name.